Virtual presentations are everywhere these days and a powerful tool for your business. But presented poorly, they can be a huge waste of time. In today's episode, we investigate common presentation mistakes, how to avoid them, the latest news making the rounds, and hypothetically, how would we market Bitcoin? All that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, episode 115. My name is Tony Cow, and I'm joined by Modi Sadiq. How are you today, Modi? Good man, good man. I've never been called Modi Sadiq. I've been called a lot worse. But uh, yeah, I'll take it. I'm Moby. good, man. Moby? Yeah, Moby. Yeah. yeah. You just met, you just know, learning this? <laughs> no. <laughs> all good. I'm playing with you, bro. I'm good. I'm good. How you going? You all right? Yeah, all good. All good. So today's new buzz, um, we're going to start with four elements of good content according to Google research. So according to Google research, uh, new research, uh, Moby, Google and TalkShop, right, a research agency, what they found out was, um, you know, what makes good content, uh, you know, out there on the internet. And what we found out was uh, four main points. The first one, relevance. So apparently what Google says is people want content relevant to their interests, but they also want content that's created by approachable and relate- relatable creators. So that's interesting, you know, like, it, you know, it's got, it's got to relate to the audience and you know, it's got to be something that they recognize so that's two key factors. And the key stats, Moby, says that 80% of people are more open to advertising or branded content when the content is relevant to them. So that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So relevant, I mean, it's common sense, but the whole point is like making sure what they come, where they came from to what they arrived to, it's relevant to who they are. The next one, I really like this one. I find this inter- interesting because it talks about consumer behavior and that's intellectual. You know, people want intellectual content. So that means it, people like learning new things. They like to feel smart. They like mm. to know that they're learning something new. So if there's any type of content you can create, whether it's an educational series, a how-to or a product review, that makes good content, educating the buyer, making them feel smarter, you know, better for it. Mm. You know, so that was really interesting. Okay. And the third one is sensorial. Good storytelling is all about the details. For video specifically, people said unique storytelling or production can be more stimulating than cinematic qualities. And the key stats show that 94% of people said good content tells a good story. So that's very interesting. I always talked about storytelling, especially in videos and ads, and Google's just proven it. (laughs) Absolutely. The the fourth one's kind of related to that a lot, and that's emotional. So good you know i guess uh, you know sensorial you know type of content is often found in storytelling as well so most people want a content experience something that makes them feel multiple emotions now there's a part of your brain that actually makes decisions and the fastest way to get to that part of the brain is through emotional storytelling not a rational argument even though we all think we're rational human beings the quickest way to make a decision and an enduring decision an enduring feeling is via an emotional storytelling or an emotional so for example like you know i think back to ads that i remember 
And like, you know, I'm in my 30s now, but I still remember those bloody Kleenex ads with those dogs rolling around. 90s, huh? 90s, yeah. (laughs) Showing my age. But I still remember that. You know, like I remember Huggies, Nappies. It must be love. It must be love. That's before I even had a kid. So those things are enduring and the fastest way to make a decision, which makes sense why Google, uh, you know, includes them in one of the four items that make good content. Fantastic. And our second uh, news buzz is YouTube launches new process to connect your mobile device with your TV viewing experience. And this is interesting, Moby, because I've been watching a lot of uh, YouTube videos on the big TV screen. But every time I want to look at the comment, I can't. And I just get it frustrated. I have to go on my laptop and stuff. But now YouTube has extended it so it's connected to your phone and I can look at comments and comment and laugh. <laughs> so that's good. So a couple of things come out of this, right? The rise of the second sc- uh, screen. The rise of the second screen has been going on for a number of years now. We all do it. The idea we're watching TV, Netflix, anything, and we have a second screen watching our mobile phone. Google's not stupid, right? They know this. So the idea that you can actually watch YouTube, this is the thing too that people don't realize. They think that YouTube, oh, it's this kind of, you know, It's been around for a while, but creating YouTube content, creating ads on YouTube is a huge opportunity that still needs to be tapped. There's still a lot of uh, opportunity there, right? Especially with the rise of second screens. So the idea now, Google's, uh, you know, very, very aware that people are watching YouTube, let them actually connect, sign in on their phones, sign in on their smart TVs, and now have that experience at the exact same time. And then you can comment and you can, you know, like, uh, you know, drop feedback, give you know donations or whatever they sort of have you can do all of that now Mm. so it's it's just reminding us how important that is that second screen is and how important youtube is thanks for that mobs so that's uh today's news buzz our next section featured buzz presentation and webinar mistakes um today's you know section is we see common mistakes in presentations uh throughout the industry and it's interesting because this is a good topic to talk about. You know, presentations are very powerful, is an effective tool in our marketing campaigns, but there are common problems, right, Moby? So I wanted to talk about this because, you know, because of COVID and even after COVID, we're so used to virtual meetings, virtual presentations. We all do it. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're in marketing or a business owner, we all do virtual meetings. Now, this is not as sexy as like SEO is dead in some of our previous episodes, but we all do it. So we wanted to talk about this. I was in earlier this week, I was in a virtual meeting. Uh, I actually won't say what brand it was just to avoid okay. embarrassing them and coming across the wrong way, but a huge brand, a huge brand we all use almost every other day and it was organized by them, right? So it just goes to show that even like the most expert brands, they struggle and suffer. And I want to talk about a couple of mistakes that the, the woman made. Now, the woman who was the moderator lovely woman really really nice she did a really good job but there's a couple of things i noticed that she did as a mistake that a lot of us do the first one is was she uh didn't pick people that randomly now so for example what i mean is we were a a bunch of partners right all of the there was about 20 30 of us and we're partners for this particular thing right and uh rather than sort of saying um i actually tell what she did do she's like all right what does everyone think about our last campaign, right? Now, if I've got 20, 30 people in a room and I say, what does everyone think about our last campaign? What do you think is going to happen, Tony? I think there's going to be a lot of quiet people and people that talk too loud, maybe. Yeah. So a couple of things happen, right? 
there's going to be that awkward silence, which is amazing for a, a online <laughs> online virtual meeting, right? It's a great way to start, not. Uh, or you're just going to get the loud people who talk. You know, the people like me who just feel air in a room. You just Those people are going to talk. The other thing that's going to happen is what you're going to find is people will do this. They're going to be on their phones, right? Right. They'll automatically turn off. Now, one tactic that I've learned in coaching and in communication training is calling people out by their name. So rather than saying, oh, what did everyone think about the campaign? Saying, fantastic, I'm glad everyone's here today. I want to talk about the, um, I want to talk about the feedback for our last campaign. Tony, what, what comes to mind? What did you think about the campaign? Awesome, fantastic. Lydia, what about yourself? Amy, what do you think? You know, Tim. Now, what does that do? First thing it does is people automatically, oh, Okay, I'm being called on. I need to pay attention. Mm. But if you're not being called on, you're thinking, I'm going to be called on. Keep right? them on their toes. Man. Keep them on their toes. Keep that energy. Keep that. You know, people don't mean to do it. We all do it. I do it too. You're in a boring presentation. And now, I'm not going to lie. In that presentation, I got bored too. So I was on my phone. Naturally, I'm like, oh, shit, I better pay attention, right? So this happens. So getting holding people's attention in a virtual capacity is very important. The second thing, and this is something that is quite rare. This is something I have learned and it is an intermediate communication skill. It's something that is known as, known as setting the conditions. So what you do, start of the meeting, you say, guys, really excited that everyone could make it today. Now, Tony, to make today great, what do we have to do? And then you might say something like, um, I guess, pay attention. Awesome. Stacy, what else do we have to do? Uh, put my phone down. So you're not saying to them, which is nothing wrong with that. Hey guys, you know, give me your attention, put your phones down, turn your outlook off, turn your slack off. You're not saying that, you're getting them to say it. And immediately, automatically, you're capturing their attention and setting the conditions. You will notice a huge difference in communication. You'll notice a huge difference in how much people respect you and the attention that they give you, which means your message is going to be more thoroughly delivered and they're going to have a better time as well. Okay, that's interesting. So... Like it's the first mistake is, you know, like not addressing the expectations, set the conditions. The second one, like you said, picking out random people, let them stay focused. And calling them tactic. Sorry, calling yeah. them by name. The third one I want to ask is, Moby, what about webinars, webinars where you don't get feedback? Yeah. Webinars, I've got a love-hate relationship with webinars. And I think the good thing about now when COVID's sort of settling down is people are dying to have offline events. So if you have an opportunity to do offline events, definitely do it. People are yearning for that human connection. Now, webinars or virtual event, events, we can't get out of them. The, the biggest thing, the biggest problem I find is as a speaker, it's very hard for me to see the feedback of people. So it's a little bit harder to kind of gauge whether someone's interested or not. So a couple of things that I've been trying is things like polls, right? So Zoom has out of the box on their webinars poll features. A lot of softwares do. Um, you can ask people questions and get their engagement maybe sporadically throughout, you know, the webinar. Uh, or you can do something like, guys, if you think A is right, you know, give me an emoji, hands up. And if you think B is right, give me a smiley face or something. So doing that. The other thing that I've seen done as well is having multiple speakers where the speakers go back and forth. And, you know, like, so it's not just one monotonous person talking. It kind of, you know, changes it up a little bit. Um the, the this other thing that I haven't really played with, but I would definitely consider doing this in future is with webinar, for example, with Zoom, you can't see anyone, right? You can just see the speakers. You can't even see their faces. Mm. But with Zoom meetings, you can see everyone. You can see their faces, right? Like a meeting. Yeah, right. yeah. So I would, if your group is small enough, I would hide, or even if it's big and you want to sort of risk people, 
uh, turning on their mics by accident, is having a meeting instead and asking people to leave their camera on and their audio off. Because in that way, there's something that clicks in the mind that I have to pay attention because someone might be looking at my face right now and I can't pick my nose. So automatically right away, you have that presence. And also you can see people, right? And then mm. as a speaker, it's a bit of a proxy for an, uh, for an offline event. Um, but yeah, I, I know it's, it's one of those things uh, that isn't as... Uh, look, for me, it's exciting. I find it interesting. But I will say it's something I just noticed and picked up on. The more and more we have these events and meetings, that connection, that proxy for an offline human connection is very important virtually. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks for that. So that wraps it up for featured buzz, uh, presentations and webinar mistakes. Our next section is actually new and we're, um, it's a new uh, segment, sorry, and it's called Can We Fix It? Essentially, this is a new segment where, and guys, we want this to come from you. So wherever you're listening, whether it's on YouTube or wherever, uh, go to YouTube, go to LinkedIn, drop us a comment, go to Instagram, ask us a question and we will look at any brand you want. The idea is in Can We Fix It, we'll analyze the marketing or the marketing strategy of a brand or a business. Wow, that's, I, I like that sort of stuff, maybe. That's fun. It's sort of experiments. It keeps us creative, keeps us on our toes. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so today's uh, topic we're going to talk about is crypto. How would you market Bitcoin? Moby, you're a crypto fanatic. You have a podcast and you, you know, you advise about it a lot. So this is, you know, you know a lot about it. How would you market Bitcoin? Yeah, so um, what Tony's talking about is I'm a, an advisor for a, a crypto project. It's a DeFi project. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm a, it's my after second life is involved in crypto quite heavily. Now, this is quite interesting, right? So if you think about something like Bitcoin, first we've got to think about who would benefit financially because Bitcoin is a decentralized, it's a fun thought experiment, but Bitcoin is decentralized currency, right? No one really owns it. So let's consider like a, an exchange, like Binance is the world's biggest one. It's where you can buy Bitcoin. So who would stand to monetarily gain from you know, the rise of Bitcoin? So I'd say an exchange because they get fees. The next thing I would do is identify the ICP, the ideal customer profile. So for Bitcoin, you could have probably two rough buckets, right? You could have the retail investors, which is like me and you, mums, pops, whatever, right? And then you'd have institutional buyers. Cool? Now, the next thing I would do is think about like, okay, what's the value offering, right? So, and then how would we market it from a communication, from a content point of view? So when you think about Marcus Sheridan's Big Five, and we did the Big Five, I think a couple of episodes ago, we'll link it in the show notes where we spoke about uh, they ask you answer. It's a framework of philosophy and it talks about, you know, the five types of content that push the uh, the needle when people are in buying mode. There's a lot, a lot of other stuff, but that's a big one. So think about, for example, one of them, right? The best, right? So for example, Binance, which is an exchange, could do a piece of content around what is the best digital payment solution or mm. digital, digital payment method? And they would do maybe PayPal, maybe Venmo, maybe whatever, right? Like Visa credit card and then put Bitcoin there as well. So talking about the best type of content in Bitcoin, I think would do really, really well. Then you've got versus. You could do Bitcoin versus uh, Litecoin or Ethereum, which is like probably more middle of funnel. It's for users who are a little bit more familiar, yeah. right? So the, the, the bucket is a little bit smaller. Or you could go really, really top of funnel. Bitcoin versus Visa, Bitcoin versus PayPal, whatever it is. Um, the other type of content is problems. You know, so problems is another type of content that people look 
when they're in buying mode before they pull out their wallet. Now, there are a lot of problems with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is slow. Uh, Bitcoin has a, a big environmental fo uh, footprint or an yeah. impact. So we can talk about these things, right? And talk about, um, you know, like, and why would we talk about this? Because you're like, oh, well, aren't you trying to sell Bitcoin? The thing is, well, yeah, we're trying to sell, but really sales and marketing's job is to build trust first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And what gives more trust than saying to a user, yeah, this is a problem with our thing. It's a problem for some people. It's not a problem for everyone, mm -hmm. but we're being very transparent and authentic, right? Reviews. So, you know, in El Salvador, uh, Tony, yep. if you went to El Salvador, you could buy your McDonald's with Bitcoin. You could buy a hot dog. Yeah, you right. could, it is legal currency. Not everyone knows that. So imagine an article that has a, my trip to El Salvador using Bitcoin review. Yeah. Right? That type of stuff. So the big five content and there's you know, problems versus reviews, uh, that type of stuff would work really, really well with Bitcoin and attract a lot of eyeballs into the ecosystem. Interesting. So like you said reviews. What about reviews? Would it be like someone, how would you make content of reviews? Someone making money on crypto? Some, how, how would you approach it? Yeah, so with reviews, you could obviously do that review thing I was talking about where I went to El Salvador and that'd be amazing. Like how did someone pay for their hotel and their McDonald's and their, yeah. you know, tickets to the soccer or whatever using Bitcoin, right? But also like, you know, just reviewing how someone made riches, right? Yeah. So it's going to appeal to different people. How someone got rich using Bitcoin, that could be a review, but so could be like a trip yeah, you know, that, that someone did. So what about, yeah. what about the, the guy who paid pizza with his Bitcoin? What would be known? Good topic. Too. Yeah, so this was in Bitcoin was like <laughs> worth like, I don't know, two cents or whatever it was. This guy paid 20,000 Bitcoin to buy yeah. a couple of pizzas, very expensive pizzas. <laughs> I'd, like, <laughs> I'd like to think that guy had like millions of Bitcoin at the time when he did that. But um, but yeah, that that's fun as well. Like it's, it is essentially content, right? Now, obviously that's the retail buyer uh, and not to go into it too much, but like then you have the institutional buyer. So Marcus Sheridan's They Ask You Answer also talks about uh, you know, assignment selling and using one-to-one -one video. Mm -hmm. So for example, like, you know, going to, uh, I don't know, a hedge fund manager, a hedge fund manager or a, uh, someone, a big investor and sending them one-to-one -one videos like, hey, my name is Moby and I represent Binance and we want to talk about our institutional offer and look at the returns of Bitcoin. So I guess I'm sort of saying like, you know, you, there's two sides of the market. You understand mm -hmm. there's the retail, the, the institutional, and there are different strategies you could uh, employ. But yeah, of course, they ask you answer would work for Bitcoin. I think so. Fantastic. So that's the, our can we fix it section where we look at you know, brands and marketing and you know recommend marketing strategies. Today, we recommended um, Bitcoin with you know the big five for Marcus Sheridan's um, you, you, they ask you answered. So yeah, uh, join us next week as we look at other brands and marketing. That's it for Inbound Buzz podcast episode 115. You can find this on redpandas.com.au forward slash EP115. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. See you guys. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.